What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's go- going pretty well. Uh, recording on a Monday, which is a little strange for us. Indeed. We're generally later in the week type of guys, sure. but um, you know, we're still powering off that the high of walking into Turner Field for the first time and. Uh, since Julio Tehran pitched that gem three years ago. Yeah, against the Detroit Tigers. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was there, third baseline. And a lot has changed since then, Adam, for Turner well, Field and for the entire city, really. Well, we used to watch baseball there, but now it's a football field, Graham. That's, that's football the big field. difference. Yeah, it's now called Georgia State Stadium. The Panthers have uh, taken it over, play their home games there, and now the Legends, whose game we had the privilege of going to yesterday, play their games there as well. First thing I want to say about that area is if you haven't been down there in a while, you should check it out because there's around the corner where there used to be that um, that KFC was it a KFC Taco yeah, Bell KFC Taco Bell combination combination yeah, and right. that that was the only restaurant um, that you could pretty much eat at um, outside of the stadium unless of course you know someone with the baby grill sure uh, then then you're in pretty good shape but. They're finally developing that whole area, which I think is all Georgia State's doing and not necessarily the city's. Um, but it's one of those things, like if the city had done that, like, I mean, bars are coming in. They have, like, a random coffee shop that's open. That's the only thing so far. Right, they're but, also building some apartments, some of those uh, luxury apartments that we see everywhere. They're starting to build those right next to the stadium. In the green lot. Literally across the street, yeah, in yeah. the green lot. So. That's one of those things. If they had done that, um, Braves might still be down there. But instead, it's a pretty cool-looking football field. Um, and we get to go in there again, thanks to the Legends. Yeah, it was a good time. And I think we're just going to jump into our, our ex- whole game day experience going to the Legends game. Because, you know, it, it is cool uh, in Atlanta over the last couple of years, really. Where, really, the last three years, where we've gotten two new stadiums that are beautiful palaces in SunTrust Park and Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And if you want to count State Farm Arena, even though it's in, it's in the, the carcass of Phillips Arena, I guess, if you, for lack of a better term, that feels like a new arena. Yeah. And now we have two new teams in Atlanta United who are the MLS champions. have been fantastic. And now we get another football team, too. We're very, very lucky that we have so many professional sports here. Which is huge for us as well as um, co-hosts of a uh, – podcast that strictly discusses Atlanta professional right, it sports. gives us more to talk about. Yeah, because th- th- this would be a little bit of a lull right now with uh, no major Falcons offseason news, spring training just starting up, and um, the Hawks kind of doing the same thing they're doing every other week. Sure. So uh, going to this Legends game was a-, a good change of pace. Yeah, definitely. So let's start at the beginning, Adam. We get our burgers, we get our dogs, get our baby grill, mm. and we head to the Blue Lot. A place where dreams happen, where memories are made, alcohol is consumed, music is played, people throwing footballs, cornhole. Everyone's friendly. Everyone's friendly. It's the American dream. Yeah. So, so we're driving in, and this is the first. Uh, you know, this is the first home game. So obviously, they're going to be working on some things. And you know, Graham is Graham and I are seasoned uh, Atlanta sports fans. We've been to a few events. We we kind of know what's good and what's not so good. And because the parking guy, I didn't like the fact that they didn't have their rates posted, Graham. Right. Either online or on the sign, which is a little shady because I know how people steal money. Uh, and 
what could have very well happened was that parking was ten dollars, and he tells me twenty, mm-hmm. and then pockets ten. Sure, it's a classic, classic move. But you're not insinuating anything. You're saying it could be. No, 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 yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. why. So <laughs> that's not very accusatory. No, no, no. <laughs> but that's why I always feel better with that rate posted ahead of time. Right. So, so, you, so know, you know what you're getting into. Yeah, and we, we ended up uh, scrounging up twenty bucks. Sure. Um, I still had a lot of ones left from the poker game a few weeks ago. And uh, we get in, and that's good. Um, the guy was trying to direct us to one place. We're like, no, sir. We were tailgating. This is the blue lot. <laughs> we paid our $20. We're going to the island. Yeah, we, Thank we, you very we, much. we can park in the middle of the damn parking lot if we want to at this right. point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but when we got there, there weren't a ton of people there, but there were a, f- a few people set up. Um, there's like an, a big RV with Atlanta Legends flag on yeah. it. Yeah, saw a lot of people with gear, which is great to see. Yeah. A new team coming in town, and uh, a lot of folks are already getting their gear and getting into the, into the team. So that was... That's fantastic. Yeah, the RV was decked out with legend stuff, flag, people in sweatshirts walking around. Uh, There's a good energy in, in the tailgate. Yeah, no, and, and it, it definitely filled in as the game went on. And, like, it, it, what were there, a couple hours or so? Yeah, we were there about two to two and a half hours before the game started. Yeah. And as, you know, we're sitting there, there wasn't that many people. And then in about 30 minutes, it was just people were pouring in. Saw people driving in from Alabama to go. Um, the guy next to us was pretty funny. He came up. I thought that guy knew me or something. The way I he, thought he knew you too. You the way he approached you me. You guys interacted like you were bosom buddies or something. Well, I, in my head the whole time, I'm just thinking, do I know this guy from yeah. somewhere? <laughs> Who's this guy? Uh, but he was like, oh, it's great to be out here, right? I see you're wearing the Clemson. You got the purple in Clemson for the Legends. And he had a Charlotte Hornets purple shirt on for his team colors. So, I mean, we're, we're making this work in the early stages of a new franchise. Um. But yeah, I mean, it felt felt like times of old, Graham. Yeah, good time tailgating. We we uh, go up to the walk up to Turner Field again, and there it is, completely redone. It was really interesting to see what they had done to the field. Uh, completely new seats, uh, right around where I guess right center field used to be. Um, uh, it was it was a really interesting because you know you're just so used to it being a baseball stadium and it, it felt totally different but it also felt the same in a way it was it was a really interesting feeling yeah it was, it was a little surreal yeah. about halfway through the game Graham and I were sitting there and just like thinking of all the Braves memories in that stadium and like we looked up and could see the 755 club I'm not sure what it's called now but we're like yeah Sammy Sosa like hit a ball off that wall right during the home run during the home run derby in 2000. Mm-hmm. And now there's this brand new football team in a league that didn't exist. Yeah, that has just been created. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, let's get into the game. This was an interesting, really interesting experience because we didn't really know a lot about the players as much. I mean, I know you and I have been keeping tabs on the Legends, but we haven't really sat down to watch a full game yet. So it was cool watching the football. I, I really liked, um, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the game, the game speed was good. Yeah, and we had good seats. We had really good seats uh, near the fifty yard line, but the, the game speed was not quite NFL level. But it was in the ballpark. You know, you you didn't feel like you were watching. You know, it, it's not a watered down product like I think a lot of people feared it was going to be. Like yeah. it, it is entertaining enough football for sure. Yeah, no, it it was chugging along for sure. There's not like kickoff commercials. Yeah, come back commercial. That was one thing I really did appreciate was. It was um, the pace of the game was was excellent. I mean, I feel like it got in and got out 
in a very efficient manner. And, and you can certainly tell the difference um, in terms of the talent level. Like, I mean, it's not quite as fast like and hard-hitting out there, but every now and then you'll get a nice like, hit. Yeah, safety rock to tight end across cutting over. Uh, there was that one really cool hit where we were sitting near the sidelines and guy gets shoved out of bounds right by us and you can see all their facial reactions and all right. that and you could tell it was like, oh yeah, he got he got walloped there. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. And the game itself was very frustrating to the Legends. They lose 28-12 to to the Birmingham Iron. Um, and a game that was really marred by a lot of inconsistency, particularly from the offense. The running game never got going and I think it became predictable, particularly in the in the second half. Because the Legends were having really good drives in the first half. They had tons. They had a lot of red zone opportunities that they could not capitalize on in terms of scoring touchdowns, but they were moving the ball. I mean, their first drive lasted almost the entirety of the first quarter. It's just right when they got to the red zone, they couldn't punch it in. And so you it's get a familiar to, script. Right. It, it, it's kind of feel similar to the Falcons in some respects. But that was, uh, that was frustrating to see. And then once the second half started, it was like three and out after three and out after three and out. We just couldn't get any momentum going. The crowd kind of got taken out of the game. A lot of miscues, some delay of game, some bad false starts um, by the offensive line as well. And, and, and the offense just could never get going in that second half in particular. Little known fact, <clears throat> A, our quarterback, Matt Sims, is not Chris Sims, the ex-Buccaneers quarterback. Right. The whole time this has been happening, I've completely forgotten. I apologize to Matt Sims. And he was on the Falcons for a, a period of time in terms of coming to spring, uh, not spring training, uh, training camp. And I, for some reason, just kept thinking, this is Chris Sims. This is Chris Sims. Yeah, I thought that the entire time myself. Right, and I was like, man, he's, he's really getting up there in age. I can't believe he's still playing. And the only thing I really remember Chris Sims by was that he got his spleen removed. And I think I'm, like, the only person that, that remembers that. I remember when that happened. That was, like, such a big deal. Like, sports center made a huge thing out of, Sims' spleen is removed. Will he be able to play again? Of course, he came back and played but it, and then it was 15 complete. years later he's playing for the legends right that's right that's what i kept thinking so affectionately i was calling matt sims spleen you yeah. know i was like come on spleen you can do it spleen let's go spleen and about halfway through spleen. the game yeah i'm just going spleen about halfway through the game you were like i, I don't think this is actually a thing like, like I, I wasn't i wasn't oh, yeah, but, yeah, go ahead well it was just so much that you do have a great memory for really weird Facts like that. Right, obscure things. But sometimes I think they're just completely wrong and you're misremembering things, but so confident about it. So I just felt like we needed to look it up. Sure. And sure enough, it was correct, but wrong person. Wrong brother. Yeah. Um, also, little known fact, do you realize who our running back was? I remember Mr. Wadley played, but I'm sure I'm off base. Akram Wadley. Uh, but... I don't think he was a starter. We were missing somebody. Yes, yeah, I think. See, that's the thing about this league is there's all like there's all these like big time college names that you'll recognize or remember or people that played in the NFL for multiple years. And it's Denard Robinson, the old like he was the Michigan quarterback, went to Jacksonville, converted to running back, had some success in the NFL. I, I did not realize that he was on the team until today, looking over to the game stuff. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we also saw Nick Novak, who was the old Chargers kicker, and yeah, I like I liked your line there because like Nick, we we were like right by the Birmingham Irons, oh yeah, bench, and like in, I, I'm pretty sure it was like their family section, so like everyone there was cheering for the Iron, and like we we're just watching Nick Novak walk around and do his stretching, and 
I commented on how I'm pretty sure he's a terrible teammate because he was never right. close to his <laughs> teammates, and it seemed like he was like big league in him. It's like, oh, I've been in the NFL 15 years. I just since he was sad, but could be completely off base, and that he's just like standing right next to us. And Graham's like, I never thought that I would spend so much time looking at Nick Novak. Yeah. <laughs> Never thought I'd be so close to him. Right. Yeah. Uh, but Trent Richardson was also yeah. on them. Yeah, former number three overall pick. I think he uh, he he didn't have he did have three touchdowns rushing. We didn't exactly tear up the legends on the ground, and that was actually something that was interesting. Is I felt like the defense gave the legends. You know, they kept the legends in the game. I mean, the score was bad by the end of the game, but I think the defense got burned out just because there's so many darn three and outs to in the second half in particular, and. Eventually, they just, yeah, they totally got worn down. I think the big thing, though, Adam, is that the crowd in particular was a little hostile towards Old Spleen, Matt Sims. Old Spleeny, yeah. Because um, as when we first heard about this team, like w- the big things they were hyping up were Brad Childress being the head coach, who ended up quitting about a month before the season started, mm-hmm. and then Michael Vick being the offensive coordinator, who ended up devoting too much time to his Fox gig and wasn't really with the team at training camp, so he's stepped aside and he's technically a special advisor. We were about five feet from Mike Vick yesterday. Yeah, that, that was, was wild. Cool. That was wild. Um, but the third one was Aaron Murray being the starting quarterback. And he, I mean, the, he's the ex-UGA quarterback, and a lot of fans were there to see Aaron Murray. Um, there were a couple of guys that had signs. We want Murray, Murray this, Murray that. People were chanting, screaming, "We want Murray." I mean, they, were, they actually got pretty loud at one point when, when especially in the second half, when it was just three and out after three and out. Lots of boo birds, lots of "We want Murray." Where's Murray? And and it, it did seem odd that like, especially once it was a blowout, why is he not playing at that point? Yeah, I and also just particularly with the way Sims struggled. I mean, it, it was it was an ugly. 300-yard performance. I mean, he threw the ball 48 times. It was incomplete on 20 of those passes. He just couldn't really do much. The dro- I, think, I think they had 11 drops, though. There were a lot of drops on both sides. And there were a couple of times where Sims put the ball in the right place and the receivers could not come down with the football for whatever reason, and it wasn't like they were getting drilled or anything. So you put some of that, of course, on the receivers. But I think overall, everyone who watched that game could agree that Sims was wildly inconsistent. Every time he had a really nice pass, it seemed like he was wildly inaccurate or he's throwing a pick. Yeah. So it was uh, it was rough sledding for him for sure. Yeah. But I wonder if they're going to take the opportunity to try out Aaron Murray next game just to see if they can jumpstart the offense a little bit with maybe a different voice in there. Yeah, I mean, 0-3 at this point, and they are definitely behind the ball because of losing their coach and offensive coordinator. They just have no identity at all on offense. Right. And I wonder how much, yeah, like how much of that is really affecting the team. And I think it's probably substantial. Yeah. Especially you go from Brad Childress, who's had a, you know, a good NFL career, been in the league for years. And then, and then he leaves you high and dry. And Mike Vick, uh, you know, huge name trying to, author and offense, which I thought actually thought was really interesting for him, especially considering the tutelage he got from Andy Reid and how much he learned about the quarterback position, especially when he went to Philly to try and bring that back here. I thought that was an interesting thing for him to try out, and then he's gone. So, yeah, I think I think you're totally right with that, and that, and, and that, that must have a lot to do with the, the way the team's playing. But I also think that, you know, there is 
a talent level, unfortunately, I think, particularly on, you know, the offensive line and the, with the running game right now and potentially the quarterback where it's just things aren't – we can't get anything going. There is no rhythm. There is no ability to jumpstart the game in any respect right now. It, it was like – it was almost like it was just time and time again just trying the same stuff out, one two-yard run and complete and complete and complete. And it was like – I don't know. It's tough. It, yeah, and a lot, a lot of teams in this league, it, it has taken them a couple games to find their identity, but it seems like pretty much every other team. I think there's one other 0-3 th- team, but, yeah, it's just not clicking at all for our mighty legends. Yeah, and credit to the defense, though. They didn't give up. We were down 20-6 to at one point, and uh, cornerback Carlos Merritt picked off a pass, and we were well on the, uh, the iron side of the field. We were in iron territory, and we took the ball over, and... Once again, the offense just couldn't do anything. I think, you know, Sims got sacked on the last play. We had a we had a penalty. It was just total disarray. So hopefully they can get this cleaned up moving forward. But uh, despite the uh, the unfortunate outcome, it was still fun to be back at Turnfield. It was fun watching football, and you yeah. know, it's one of those things where it's like I want to give the legends a chance and and follow them and see how they do. You know, I, I definitely found myself like wanting them to come back and win the game you know that would have brought me joy sure i was cheering for them yeah like i was so, we were making I, I, noise. I, yeah i wasn't just like neutral about everything right and you know when they got that when the iron got that last touchdown i got that classic atlanta sports disappointed feeling where i was like i just stood there and just sort of looked down and i was like oh maybe i do maybe i'm maybe this team is for me yeah because <laughs> like we had we had we were down big but then we scored a touchdown uh, with like a, about two minutes left, but then they don't do an onside kick. Instead, they give you the ball at your own 28 and make it a fourth and 12. And if you convert, it's your ball to keep. Otherwise, the other team gets the ball right there already in field goal range. And we converted. So it's like, oh, hell, if we score again here, then that's eight points and we could do that. Again, Again, and maybe right. come back and pull off a miracle victory, but then your boy Spleeny threw a pick yeah, through two pick passes there. later. What do you think about the rule changes overall that you saw? No extra point, no kickoff, no onside kick. I don't feel like I lost anything by not having the kickoff. Yeah, it was just sort of like, okay, fast forward, sort of like balls there. Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of would like the extra point, though. My mind just was having a hard time wrapping it around all these six and nine scores. Yeah, I kept wondering. I was, like, I was like, "Why the hell are they going for it?" I didn't. I didn't know why we uh, why no one was kicking uh, an extra point. That's just our own ignorance, though. Right, but we, we revealed our own ignorance. Um, no, but I, I mean, I, like we're saying, I love the the pace of play. I thought it was so much better than what the NFL's got going on right now. Yeah, I really liked the the PA announcer. He did a great job getting folks into the game. I thought, and I think that. Our punter, Cameron Nizialak, was fantastic. He had some booming punts, putting that Bosher to shame. That's for darn sure. Yeah, that one that he had, like, inside the five. Oh, yeah, it was great. In the second half, it was a beauty. Yeah, he earned his money that day with all the three announcements we had. So you're going to find talent. Like, like some of these guys are going to make it back to the NFL or make it to the NFL because of this league. Right. You know, I think that's what's kind of cool about this league is it's not trying to compete with the NFL, like the XFL well, if it ever comes back or things like that, it's positioning itself as the equivalent equivalent of the NBA D League slash G League and minor league baseball. 
And it's, it's trying to partner itself in the NFL. And I think it's going to create opportunities for guys that have been looked over. You know, guys like Mr. Cameron Nizialak, our, our punter, or maybe Nick Novak gets to go back because he showcases his game. Trent Richardson, who knows? I mean, I'm not saying anything's guaranteed, but it gives these guys another chance to try and realize their ultimate dream, which is, once again, playing in the NFL or breaking into the NFL. I think that's a cool thing. And so it gives us something to do with our lives when there's no NFL. Right. So Football keeps rolling. Yeah, good for us. Yeah. I will say, another operational thing the uh, people at the Legends need to work on. So I think that Georgia State was handling like the concessions and all that. But any time that I walked onto that concourse, it was a crazy long line for food and beer. I don't I mean, it's not like it was 60,000 people there or anything. So I think maybe they're used to college games where you can't serve beer. So that just completely threw them off. But they were underprepared. They sold out of Sweetwater. Mm. Um, they were down to Shock Top and Red Wine. It doesn't it didn't seem like there are that many concession stands open either. Yeah. Considering the amount of concession stands there are in Turner Field, it seems like, which I guess makes sense too. It's a massive building. And obviously the, the attendance is going to be as big as the Olympics or an MLB game or playoff game for that matter. So it makes sense that they're not going to use the whole stadium, right? But it just seems like they could have had a little more going on than they did yesterday. And hopefully they learn from that. Yeah, and, I'm guessing they'll make adjustments. Right. So, But good overall experience, and I'm sure we'll head back at some point this year. Yep. I would recommend going out. Yeah, for sure. If you want, If you're curious about it, it's not very expensive to go. It's fun. And you get to try something new. Yeah, get, off, get off the couch. Yeah, revisit Turner Field. Well, I'm speaking of Turner Field. I think that's a perfect segue into our Braves coverage for this week. Oh. Not too much going on. Uh, Braves actually started playing baseball. Yes. They are 1-2. and two. They beat the Nationals today, 9-4. to four. Freddie Freeman hit a bomb. Pitching staff did a good job overall. Ian Anderson got out there and looked nice. Um, good win. I'm also happy because people on tour can shut up for a day. I cannot stand. I'm going to go on a little rant here. I can't stand fans on Twitter or fans in general going crazy about the first couple weeks of spring training or spring training in general. I would all, I would always come back to this. BJ Upton hit 345 or well over 300 in spring training his first year here. Look what happened. I I don't have the patience for it. And obviously, there there are there's a point in spring training when you start to think, especially with the young guys, okay, are they ready or are they not? And that's fine. But established people, like, you know, if Freddie Freeman were to go 0 for 75 in spring training, I'd be like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to worry about it. Maybe he's working on something. They're not out. It's not the same level of competition. And so I really get sick of, especially two or three games into the year, we haven't won a game. And the offense hasn't really woken up yet until today. And people are like, Oh my God, Braves can't do anything. They're losing. Why don't we spend the money in the offseason? It's like, okay, you can you can complain about not spending the money, but if you're gonna point to we're losing spring training games against, you know, and our best players are either not playing or only playing two or three innings, you're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. And here's here's what I think of spring training analysis. That's what I think of it. Bunch of BS. Wow, you just wadded that whole thing up. Wadded huh? that whole thing up. I think it's absolutely ludicrous. If you're if you're worried about spring training, and performances in spring training a week into it, reevaluate reevaluate your life. So I've, I've, maybe I've been off Braves Twitter a couple of days because you know I've been pretty locked into the legends. Sure, recently. Yeah, uh, 
Are people really were they were they really complaining when we were zero and two? You know how British Twitter is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like as bad as you know a regular season game, but it was just like people are treating spring training like it's the damn National League Championship Series or I, something. I feel like British Twitter just like they just need to reset. Like everyone needs to get off Twitter for a week. Yeah, just take a week. This just, is a perfect time to do it. Yeah, spring training just started. Just relax. Yeah, because like you said, the, the a lot of the vets literally are just working on things. Like, yeah, no one's out there trying to win really. No. You're I mean, literally just going in there getting your reps and hopefully you stay healthy. You want to compete, obviously, but it's not a thing where it's like if you win or lose, it's the end-all, be-all. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm checking the box scores, obviously, but that's that's about it for me at this point. Right, and I like to watch. I yeah, mean, what? people freaked out when Tukey gave up like two runs over two innings. It's, it's, it's like end times or something. It's like yeah. Book of Revelations. Let's get it out. It's like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, there's plenty of time to freak out, and it's a little later, later in the year. Right, and one thing some people are freaking out, maybe with good reason, is uh, the report of Mike Soroka being shut down for four or five days after experiencing some shoulder tightness, which was apparently due to some workout he was doing. It wasn't related to the injury he, he sustained last year, supposedly, reportedly. But there is some concern there. One of your prized uh, prospects, when he pitched last year, was pretty damn good until he got hurt, is once again reporting shoulder issues and you wonder how much of that is due to his workout regimen and how much of that is due to maybe some lingering effects of the surgery and, and the injury from last year. Yeah, it sounds like he just tried to go a little too hard one day and didn't really listen to his body. But like you said, the relief is that it's not the same injury, but it is a little upsetting for a guy who until last year was completely injury free throughout his minor league career mm-hmm. and anytime you get one injury building on top of another Sounds like an injury-prone guy to me. So, yeah, with with this injury to Soroka, I mean, the, the competition, I think the main thing to watch out for in spring training moving forward is who's going to be that fifth starter. Is it going to be Gahara, who's kind of the long shot, but a bit of a dark horse, Soroka if he's healthy, Tukey, Freed is another option. I think those four are probably your best bets. I don't think Ian Anderson's quite there yet, but I, I would not be surprised if we see him at some point this season to either be a long reliever or be a starter three of these guys aren't going to be uh you know in the rotations who's it going to be and i think heading into the spring your money's got to be on two key considering what he showed last year but all bets are off i think until we really see how they perform this spring and it it sounds like it's set up to do pretty much what we did last year with kind of like that sixth spot as well being like a rotation thing rotating mm-hmm. people up and down from gwinnett um just to so you're not putting as much strain and stress on these young guys' arms. Um, but, yeah, Soroka, I mean, any time missed in the spring is missed opportunity to make a good impression. Yeah. So it, it's certainly setting him behind the ball. Behind the ball? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know he's super disappointed about that. But I think the front office has a lot of faith in in Soroka. I think they like what he, what he did last year. Tuki as well. I think Freed and Gohara – you know, if you had to rank them, it's probably Tuki Soroka based off their performance last year, Freed, and then Gohara just because Gohara was so injury, speaking of injury prone, so injury prone, and hasn't shown any sort of level of consistency when he has played in, uh, at the major league level. Did you throw Bryce Wilson in there too? I think he's more suited probably for the bullpen right now. But when he when he came up last year, he looked pretty pretty darn good, so... He's he's not at the forefront of my mind, but 
who the hell am I? So, a couple other names that have, in terms of the prospects that have drawn some praise early in the early running here, Christian uh, Pochet. Yeah, he had a big hit today. And uh, Drew Waters as well. And some scout, I don't, I don't know who the guy is, some longtime major league scout, probably grizzled old buck, smokes a lot of cigars, uh, compared Pache to Barry Bonds. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch. It's like, okay. All right. I, I like hearing that. that. That's why I don't want to trade him for real Muto. Right. Pache, I mean, people have said he's got all the talent in the world, but that's cool that we're getting an actual scout to say, make the comparison. But, you know, still take that with a grain of salt. But today was a good a good start for him. Had a big hit, drove in a couple of runs. And um, I wonder if he's going to have sort of like an Acuna-esque spring training or something similar to that where he just is on fire or something. The team has to make a decision. I mean, I think Marcakis is definitely going to be your – you know, mostly your everyday right fielder. Obviously not playing as much as he did last year, but I kind of wonder what's going to happen with Riley and Pache. A lot of people saying Pache needs another year of seasoning, but Riley, I don't know. I mean, is that another guy you stick on your bench? Um, no, you don't put him on your bench, I don't think. But Yeah, I'd rather have him in an everyday role uh, in, in the minors than being a platoon guy or something up here. But... If Marcakis goes down for an extended period or we need more depth for whatever reason. Or if Ender is not returning to form. Right, if he if he's struggling. I mean, I, I still don't think he can bench Ender because his defense is so good, but I don't know. Let's say his defense falls off a freaking cliff. I have no idea. Who is going to be the next guy to step up? Is it going to be Adam Duvall? I, I don't think so. So you start looking towards a guy like Austin Riley or a guy like Pache, even though a lot of people say he's not quite visually ready, but... I don't know. It's real. It's it's the difference between this spring training and last spring training is I think last spring training there were no expectations of us doing anything, and we had all these like young prospects to look forward to like Acuna and Albies and so on and so forth. This year it's like a combination of we have high expectations heading into the year, along with we have a shit ton of prospects that we're really excited about seeing how they develop. I heard a um, Aussie interview. This afternoon, he was on with uh, Chuck and Chernoff, who were down in uh, Orlando. And he said everything I wanted him to say yeah. in this interview, which I don't know if I've ever heard a full-on radio interview by him before. I haven't, yeah. Um, but the main thing was talking about last year, and they were asking him if he was surprised by all the home runs he was hitting, and he admitted that he was, and he doesn't consider himself a power hitter. And then went on to say how it's just like, the greatest feeling of the world hitting a home run. So then he certainly started swinging for the fences a little more and kind of lost his discipline. Um, but the fact that he recognizes that and he said on the interview that that's a learning lesson for him and something he's going to take with him into this season and just know that he needs a lot more discipline than that. That was, that was great to hear because he could be a huge bounce back guy and look a little more like he did in that first half. Yeah. I think that takes a lot of maturity and a strong sense of self to identify that, especially at this young of an age, to be able to be humble enough to admit, hey, I was chasing it a little bit last year. I got too in my own head. I burned out. I learned from it. And I, that says a lot to me about the makeup of that young man because he could easily be saying, oh, no, I was fine, make up some excuse and not be, not be truthful. But I think him being honest about this to the media isn't a bad thing and it's refreshing in the sense that we're hearing you know, some real talk from a player and – not 
Coach Bro Talk. Not Coach Bro Talk. And it sets him up for hopefully being able to acknowledge and recognize, you know, if something like this happens again, he can pull himself back a little bit, maybe be a little less obstinate, which I heard he was uh, somewhat hitting coaches and the coaching staff a bit last year and trying to change up his, his game a little bit when he started to struggle. So I think really great to hear that he is he is saying that. And we, we've heard that on, um, you know, in a couple of, Articles posted by David Bryan and things like that, but actually seeing or hearing the uh, hearing him say that today was was really nice. Actually, like hearing it, and I, I heard the I heard the interview as well. Oh, you did on the radio, yeah. Got it. And so hearing that was refreshing. I agree. So here, here, yes. Anything else on the Braves you want to you want to cover? Uh, no, something somewhat baseball related. Um, which is not Atlanta professional sports relate, related, technically, which is a little off base for me. But um, oh God, are we moving into national sports talk? No, 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 no. Okay, no. good. No, don't worry about that. But just because Bryce Harper is so linked to the Phillies and all that, um, I think it's relevant. There was an article in the, the Wall Street Journal, for whatever reason, hmm. about baseball contracts and talking about how, like, Harper and Machado took him forever, and Harper's still not signed. But then they talked about Jeff Mathis, like the Jeff backup Mathis. catcher was with the Marlins and all that. Mm-hmm. He was like the most sought-after free agent this year. Really? And linked a two-year, like, $6 million deal, like, well before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Because of all the analytics out there now, showing, like, the importance of his, like, pitch framing – and and apparently he calls the best game of any catcher in the league. Hmm. So he was wow. like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, like guys like that are making money. We're in the pat, and, and he's he's a one ninety eight career hitter as well, which is the wow. kicker. <laughs> yeah. So his defense is so great, and people are actually using analytics now to the point where they're he's probably getting a contract he never would have gotten exactly five years ago. He'd probably be out of the league. Right. He's thirty six at this point, but yeah, he's going to keep rocking forever. I just thought that was pretty interesting. Hmm. Okay. There's your tidbit of the day. Sure. I liked it. So not a lot of Falcons news going on. There was a rumor um, that's been going on for a couple of days now concerning the Falcons maybe targeting Duntari Poe again. How is this possible, you may ask? He signed that deal with the Panthers, which is a multi-year deal, apparently. It's rumored that he is being targeted for elimination after his subpar season last year. Would you want Dontari Poe back if he came back at a reasonable rate that didn't kill the cap? Yeah, I mean, if if his goal, and I mean, he didn't put up impressive numbers in Carolina, but that's a different scheme. Maybe for whatever reason, the Falcons scheme fits him better. And if he can be that guy to just eat up space and let and free up um, our linebackers a little more and let Grady Jarrett go to work, then sure. If the price is right. Yeah, I'm not averse to it, and I think I think you hit the nail right on the head in the sense that if he comes back, the expectation is going to be different. I think when he came here, we were thinking, okay, this guy has the potential to be a monster. He has been a monster before. This is his prove-it contract. He's going to go and ball out. I don't have that expectation of him anymore. Now, if he does come back, all I'm expecting is how can he make Grady Jarrett better? How can he make Deion Jones better? And how can he make the rest of the defensive line better? And the way he does that is what you're, exactly what you're saying, taking up space so that other guys can make plays. Yep. And maybe make the occasional play himself, but he's a big body still in the 340-pound range. And um, I really think that it could be a good move if, if, if he's cut. And, and, and that's also another thing, too, that gives 
uh, some more depth in the line too. Because you, you know, we forget about Deirdre and Sanat, but you know, it gives him more time to adjust to the system, um, adjust to the defense again in his second year, and uh, he can be a little bit more rotational and maybe not have as much pressure on him as he did last season. So, I think it'd be it'd be a decent thing to do. Um, a lot of ifs out there, though. A lot of ifs. So, I mean, that's not a sure thing, but that, that is something that's going around. We also re-signed your boy, Bleedy Booty Ray Wilson, oh. uh, as mentioned on our first ever episode, whose name you can never remember. I we did kept not calling know. Booty. I did not know that. Yeah, well, that's that's great to hear. Right. Uh, so he's probably the fourth cornerback right now, and I think heading into the combine, which is very soon, sort of sets up, you know. People start thinking about what what Thomas is thinking here. Is he going trench trenches heavy? Is he going to draft a cornerback uh, in the first couple rounds or something like that to shore up the secondary? I'm I'm fascinated by what the strategy here will be from Dimitrov and Quinn because I think this is one of the first times under maybe not the first time under when they've been a, a battery a tandem. Probably the first time since you know their first year together that we have as many holes as we do now. Like this is, uh, since, since Quinn's rookie season as a head coach, we haven't, we haven't been this, uh, had as many holes on a roster. So I really want to know how they're going to attack it when, you know, they did it in the first year. It was, you know, defensive minded, you know, you get your, uh, Vic Beasley, Grady Jarrett, things like that. Um, or guys like that. So I wonder if this time it's going to be more defensive minded, offensive line minded, secondary, um, I don't know. I, I I really look forward to seeing what they're going to do, and I'm going to always judge harshly as I do with Dimitrov. <laughs> and I I don't know, you know, if he's going to. He just doesn't really draft offensive linemen well, so I think I think we're going to be probably doing what we normally do in the offensive line: get some, you know, solid but not spectacular free agent signings, and then try to draft defense and maybe draft a cornerback, but I really hope that we can actually use our scouting department for once to draft a cornerstone offensive lineman. So basically I think we're just going to continue to have a mediocre to poor offensive line Mm -hmm. with that approach. Yeah. Because we're incapable of scouting offensive linemen for the most part, with the exception of Jake Matthews, who's solid and Alex Mack, you had to throw a bitch load of money at because you can't draft a center. So, um, what do you think? In terms of who we're going to draft? I mean, like, yeah, I guess from a positional standpoint. Um, or what would you go with if you, you had the reins? Two offensive linemen. In the first two rounds? I'd go offensive line round one. Yeah. Uh, D-tackler end round two. Mm-hmm. Back to the offensive line round like three. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the D-line round four. Very good. And then fifth round, let's try to get ourselves... A corner, okay. Try because I mean we've we've hit in the later rounds with the yeah. corner. Like uh, KZ was a late, he's a somewhere between the fourth and sixth round. So sixth round, I'd go back to offensive line. Mm-hmm. Seventh round, draft a punter. Ooh, yeah. I like the punter move. <laughs> yeah. You have more credibility than Thomas Dimitrov in my eyes with that. Uh, obviously, there's a whole bunch of moving pieces and. You can't just say, "Oh, I'm going to do this, this, and that," because players you want get drafted. But I like—I don't mind that if if you know the stars were to align. Like perfectly. we we just need a boring draft. Like we we've had the Calvin Ridleys, and it's just like bigger 
positional uh, skill players right. that we, get drafted that everyone gets excited about. Yeah, but like we, 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 we just need – let's just fortify yeah. both of those trenches and we'll be good for three or four years. Because there. there's not – there, there's not a lot of time to take on somebody who you know you got to develop for a while. There, there's, there's no time to do that. There's no time to draft a Sean Harlow and hope he, hopefully, in the fifth or sixth round, and hope he develops into something. If you're gonna draft trench guys, guys in the trenches, they need to be able to come in and play Hell, immediately. The, the uh, Birmingham Iron had a couple D tackles that looked pretty good. Hope, hopefully, oh, yeah, uh, they swallowed up our <laughs> game. Yeah, no well, problem. Hopefully, TD was out there scouting. It'd be hilarious if he was like sitting right next to us or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, Thomas, hey, how you doing? Oh, we have a few questions for yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you draft any offensive line worth a damn other than Jake Matthews? Yeah, think, your entire career with the Falcons. I think he would cut a would probably get security involved pretty quick. Yeah, the guy yelling spleen. Yeah, me just going spleen <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Thomas. I I I I respect you. It's just frustrating. I don't know who the hell am I. I'm just some loser with the podcast. Just another loser with a podcast. Yeah, screaming at the world, thinking I can do things better than a guy who's pound for pound, you know, put competitive teams on the field for the most part. Yeah. So, well, Adam, do you have anything else you want to hit on in this week's episode? I think the biggest Falcons news, actually, that we didn't even touch on was uh, Arthur Blank just bought an 80-yard yacht. Yeah, it's crazy. I saw that. It has some ridiculous name, too. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, I don't know either. It's like... Team dream, touch dream, touch my dream, something like that. Seems inappropriate uh, yeah, with does. all the Robert right. Kraft stuff out there now. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Um, and I'm sure this yacht is in direct correlation to his impending divorce. It's like his bachelor pad now. Right, right. He's got to splurge a little bit, take some Arthur time. Yeah. You think there's any chance we can get the invite on the old yacht? No. Maybe your bachelor party. What if I swing oh, that? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, if you get that, <laughs> get the bachelor party on Arthur Blank's yacht, we can go wherever we want. That would be pretty fun. All right. Pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure, just pretty fun. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah. That'd be all right. You yeah. know. <laughs> pretty pedestrian. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else. All right. I think that wraps up this week's episode of Atlanta Zone. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, rise up, chop on. Stand Brotherhood, Unite and Conquer. Hail all hail ATL. Oh yeah. Yeah. And remain true to Atlanta. Hospitomicip. Hospitomicip.